reason I played that is because I'm talking about the only man I know who walked 500 miles from Nazareth to Egypt, 500 miles back again for the love of his life and for Jesus. So uh, that's pretty good, eh? And I'm sure he would love that music. Joseph, would, he was into good music and good songs. So there we go. Fantastic. So we are talking about Joseph, the husband of Mary and the earthly father of Jesus. You know, sometimes we can think, wonder if our life really matters. You know, if anything will be remembered out of everything we do. But at Christmas time, we see a life who's largely unknown to us. But a life that lived for the Lord makes an eternal uh, difference. And um, I think this needs to come down just a little bit for me to echo, if that's cool. Fantastic. You know, sometimes we are tested and we face different tests, not to show our weaknesses, but to, for our strengths to come out. And we see that very much in, in uh, Joseph's life. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And one thing with Joseph is somebody who could hear, you know, the voice of God and follow his promptings. And he became a great uh, example, obviously, to us, but also uh, to his family. What do we know about him? We know that um, he died somewhere between the age when Jesus was 12 years of age to when he started his ministry at 30. And it would seem likely closer to when uh, Jesus was an adult that uh, he passed on. You know, my thought today is this. You know, families are the thread that holds the human race together. Through our families, we are connected to the past, the distant times and places of our ancestors and to the future, the hope of our children's children. You know, the family as the unit is so powerful and so important to holding the human race together. And you and I are the links in that chain. You know, all those that have gone before, whatever we do in our life is going to affect those that come after us, not just for the next generation, for those of us that have children, but also to their children and their children's children. This is an ongoing influence that we have and opportunity that we have. The first thing we see in Joseph's life, in Joseph and Mary's life, is that he was called and he was chosen. You know, sometimes I think we can read the Christmas story and, you know, there's so much more written about Mary because she lived right through Jesus' ministry, was there at the cross, and uh, all the different uh, prophecies and different things that surrounded her life that we can easily almost think, well, Joseph's just an add-on, like it was really Mary, but it just happened that Joseph was the one courting her. But, of course, that's not true at all. You know, they were both called and they were both chosen. Joseph's role was really important. And it's the same in your marriage, if you're a married couple here today. You know, you, one partner in, in, the, in, the, in your union might be more spiritual or considered to be more spiritual than the other or to be the one that brings the money into the house or the one with a different set of giftings or abilities. But you know, in our marriages, God calls us together, husband and wife, and he has a role for each of us to play that is really important that we uh, both take our part and our responsibility. You know, we're two people, but the Spirit of God lives in us. We bring balance to each other. You know, we complement one another. And there is a strength in unity in particular 
that causes your home to be a safe place. You know, and I think above everything else that we bring uh, into uh, our home environment, it's bringing security, it's bringing stability. And, you know, in this crazy world, in these days we're living in, you know, how much our kids need to have that sort of environment uh, around us and surrounding us in our life. It's um, important, you know, for creating that environment for friends, people that come there and are a part of that. It's quite interesting, you know, when um, Maggie and I bought our first house and uh, we, did, you know, we, we were told we needed to make a will out, which we did. And, but part of that will was, uh, if anything happened to us, you know, who would we give as custody for our uh, four children? You know, and it was, it's quite a question. I don't know if you've uh, thought about that or not, but, you know, it's really important actually to, to have a will and also to put in, you know, uh, about the ensuring the future of uh, any children that you have. And uh, it took us quite a bit of time, but it was interesting as we prayed about it, talked about it, it became very clear who we would choose to fill that role. And they also accepted the role, of course. And, uh, but it's interesting, because that's exactly the decision that our Heavenly Father uh, had to make. I mean, he had to decide out of everyone on this planet who was going to look after Jesus. I mean, it was quite an assignment, you know, apart from just the fact of bringing up a child in the world, there were real dangers around Jesus' birth and those early years when Herod was going to try to uh, kill the child. All of those things were very, very real. So he didn't um, make the decision lightly. But then I started to think, I think, man, if I was God, you know, who would I choose? You know, I mean, he didn't listen to me, as you wouldn't expect him to, wouldn't want him to. But, you know, I was just thinking, man, I, I, would, I would have somebody, you know, who was rich, number one. The second thing was that would be somebody that really knows the word of God. It might be a rabbi or a teacher, might be a Pharisee, a good Pharisee. You know, if somebody like that living in Jerusalem, the center of power, access to the Roman governor, access to the high priest and Herod, and, uh, and someone, you know, who would probably make a commitment to have no more children, you know, just so they would focus on Jesus. I mean, that's why I would sort of think, you know, let's, let's box this all in as much as we can. But who did he choose? You know, he chose somebody who wasn't a rabbi or a priest. He was poor and he was unknown. He lived far from the seat of power in a little town called Nazareth. He had no family experience except his own. He was a carpenter, so he wasn't going to have a high income and he was going to have to work hard to provide for his family. And plus, he and Mary had at least six other kids after Jesus, you know, and, and maybe more. And so the whole environment was totally different to an environment that I would set up uh, as to be the proper environment. <clears throat> and remember when they were just planning their marriage, you know, Joseph and Mary had no idea of what God's plans were. You know, they were just a young couple They'd fallen in love, they were engaged, and that engagement in their society was a commitment that could only be broken by a certificate of, of divorce. You know, they'd maintained the purity of their relationship, they were in love together, they were just looking forward, their family no doubt was involved in, in planning 
this celebration that was going to be uh, big in the town of Nazareth. You know, but God had something incredibly bigger for both of them. You know, I believe it's important for each of us to understand, you know, in our lives, you know, the highest calling that we have on our life is to be a great husband and a great father or a great mother and, and a great wife. You know, that calling to family is so important. And yet I think all of us, you know, when we uh, have our children, we see our children grow up and, and everything else, we can really think that, you know, doubt the sort of job that we are doing or we have done. But, you know, if we bring God into the center of the situation, you know, what is God looking for us? You know, great parenting, it's like this. It's not about having a special education or wealth to give your kids or power or position or what suburb you live in, but it is about the consistency of your character. So whether you're a parent or not a parent, you know, what, what I'm talking about today applies to each one of us. Your relationship with God, and particularly your relationship with your wife or your husband. You know, the greatest gift a father can give his children is to love their mother. The greatest gift a mother can give to the children is to love the father. It's the stability and strength of that relationship, how you communicate together, either with words or without, the sort of interaction in the family. Kids pick up every little thing that is happening there and sense what is going on. Creating that environment in the home is so important for each of us. And the other thing is this, if you want your kids to love Jesus, you know, it's not enough just bring them to church and Super Sunday and the kids program that's here. Their greatest learning experience is going to come at home. What they see in your life, in your example, not just the words you say, but what you actually do about your own relationship uh, with God. It was true for Joseph, and it's true for us. What sort of a man was Joseph? Well, we know he was a hard-working carpenter. We know that they were poor because after Jesus was born and they, they took the purification offering at the temple, they gave the poor man's offering. They couldn't afford a lamb and a bird. They just took two birds, which was what the poor people uh, could give. You know, carpenters, if you had anything to do with carpenters, some of you might be carpenters. And, uh, but, you know, they have, have special skills. And, um, and they, they usually work long hours. They're usually pretty tough because they're lifting timber and knocking in nails, you know, doing all sorts of uh, stuff for their abs at work rather than in the gym. And uh, I've had a bit of experience with, with carpenters because we've renovated uh, lots of houses. And uh, what I would do, because, uh, you know, I wasn't a carpenter, but I would hire a carpenter and I would be the laborer for them or else I'd get one of the interns in like Mike to help me. But apart from that, it was mostly me who was the laborer on the job. But I remember one, one lesson I learned in Dunedin. I was, uh, we were <coughs> fixing up a... a a room in, in one of the houses. And anyway, it was coming up to a long weekend, and we, had the, we, were, we got all the material in to do this door frame and to fit the door. But it was a long weekend. It was Thursday night, and I knew the builder wasn't going to be back until uh, Tuesday. And I thought, oh, man, I could do this. So I spent the weekend uh, 
putting the store frame up, you know, cutting the timber. I only had my tools. I didn't have the good ones the uh, builder had. And uh, so, you know, but anyway, I cut them, and, you know, most things were sort of straight. The angles were just a bit crooked. Uh, but I knew I could fix them with, with you know, no more gaps and, and a bit of paint. I was pretty good with that sort of material. And, and I hung the door, and, uh, and, you know, at the end of it, I thought that was pretty good. Well, Tuesday morning came, and Bob, who was Bob the Builder, he literally was, he, uh, he, ca he comes to work, you know, uh, and, and he walks in past the door that's up and, and the framing, doesn't say a word. And I thought, oh, that's strange. He must be impressed with what I've done, you know. Must, might have hurt his pride a little bit. Did such a good job. And uh, anyway, so he never said anything about it. So I thought, well, I won't say anything either. And so then I go off, off to church to work. <clears throat> I come back that night, and he's still there. And I get a bit of a shock, because when I walk in to that room, I see the door that I'd hung up, you know, leaning against the wall. And all the framing timber that I'd put up there was taken down. Some of it was broken on the ground. And there were new bits of timber alongside them, you know. And Bob's busy putting the frame up over the door. Well, he never said anything to me, you know. And I never said anything to him. But I tell you what, I learned a lesson that I've never forgotten. Leave the trades work for the builder. And... Uh, yeah, so anyway, but in telling that story is simply this. I've got a lot of respect for builders. And Joseph and Jesus, it was interesting when Jesus started his ministry in Nazareth and people reacted to his ministry because they said to him, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the carpenter's son? And, you know, they, they were known and respected for what they did. It wasn't just one of the carpenters in Nazareth or, or the city that was close by but it's the carpenter, you know, and so they had, um, they were uh, known in the district for the work that they did and the skills that they had. And the skills that uh, Joseph had, he obviously taught to Jesus and probably his other boys uh, as well. The, this, the scriptures, you've got the scripture there about the birth of Jesus, but we know the Christmas story so well. I just want to say this, that, you know what, you know, at this point, coming for their coming together. You know, Joseph is just busy preparing for the, for the wedding celebration, the feast and the invitations and all of those things. And in the midst of that, not knowing the cause or the reason for it, somehow, we're not told how, but he finds out that Mary is pregnant with a baby. You can only imagine what went through his head. You know, the girl that he loves, and especially their commitment to God and their relationship with God and with each other was something that was really, really strong. And he would have just been totally blown away by, by what happened there. But he would have felt he'd been cheated on, he'd been ridiculed, he was going to be embarrassed, there's going to be shame for his family as well as her family, and the whole town would know, would talk about this for a long long time. All his plans and dreams were just gone totally. You know, when we are tested, you know, those times of testing is not just to bring out our weaknesses and reactions, but it's to see what sort of responses we have in situation. And we see something really powerful in Joseph's life that was obviously a part of his character. 
And the Bible says that he was righteous. Another version says he was faithful to the law. But, you know, he was somebody that the law of love, the law of grace, overshadowed the law of legalism that was so destructive and so harsh on people. And we see that he decides to quietly divorce Mary and to take shoulder some of the shame, some of the responsibility for what happened and, and take the, you know, the focus off her. So what he did was out of a heart of love for Mary and he decided to shoulder uh, the blame himself. You know, this is the same sort of love that the Father has for us. You know, he shows us mercy, he shows us forgiveness. You know, his love overrules his, and his desire for your life and for the goodness of it. We see the same character with Jesus. Came out like with the woman caught in adultery. You know, where the people came to stone the woman. And Jesus said, well, let him who hasn't sinned throw the first stone. And it's that same heart that was there already in Joseph's life and demonstrated by him and was um, obviously in the heart of Jesus, our Messiah. We know that he was reachable. He was somebody who could hear from God. And that night, you know, the angel reveals to him the true story, what's happened uh, with Mary. And he is somebody that it, it, could, it wasn't strange for him to hear from God. And I think for each of us, you know, whoever we are, whatever our position and responsibilities are in life, the most important part of our Christian walk is to be able to hear from God. You know, to be people that are open to receive from the Holy Spirit what God wants to say to us. And that doesn't just happen. You know, this didn't just happen out of the blue for Joseph. It was because there were platforms already established in his life that created an environment for God to come through and to speak to him. And those platforms are built in our life through our own personal devotion. It's through reading the Word of God. You know, every time you're reading God's Word or listening to it uh, being played to you, you know, it's, it's creating a, a space for God to speak to us. And uh, through worship, through coming together regularly to church, God can speak to us when we lay a platform for him to uh, move in our lives. And you notice, Joseph, that when God spoke to him, he didn't waste time. He immediately put things together. He immediately um, marries Mary and takes her home as his, as his wife, and, but it says they had no union with her until she gave birth to the son. But this is the thing. When God speaks, there was no hesitation. And you see that's a mark of Joseph's life and the different situations that he uh, comes up with. And then I put three words there, humility and wisdom and patience. Firstly, with humility, he sets aside his own plans for God's plan. He just merges in immediately with it. But they also show wisdom. And, you know, God gives us a brain for a reason, you know, to make decisions, to, to uh, change things, to buffer things because of the decisions we make. And they decide probably with both their families that it would be wise for Mary to go away for three months. And she goes up to her cousin Elizabeth, who's carrying John the Baptist. And of course, if you read the accounts, the amazing uh, reaction that happened in the Holy Spirit when Jesus uh, in the womb and John the Baptist in the womb uh, meet each other. And uh, 
and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and prophecies happen and it's just an amazing uh, encounter in the Holy Spirit. But you see, there's just wisdom and get Mary out of the situation for a bit of time while all this sorts itself out. And then she comes back uh, to Bethlehem and then the census happened. They travel uh, to Bethlehem, sorry, to Nazareth and then to Bethlehem and uh, where, you know, the Christmas story happens. And I often think, you know, with the Christmas story for Joseph and Mary, it was like so many things were happening, but they didn't actually see everything. It's a bit like the shepherds. The shepherds are out in the hills. They see hundreds, probably thousands of angels. Heaven lights up, and, 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 and all of heaven's praising God about the birth that's happening. You know, Joseph and Mary are just back in the stable with the baby. And suddenly these crazy shepherds come in telling all sorts of stories. And, and uh, somehow Joseph's got to sort of manage them somehow because they would, would have been pretty excited. And to me, they seem like a pretty crazy lot uh, anyway. And then, you know, when they take Jesus to the temple and the prophecies happen, so much happens in a short space of time that somehow they've got to try to, uh, to handle and, and to just uh, bring it all together. And then it seems they rent a house in Bethlehem for a period of time, one year, maybe two years, certainly for over a year that they would have been living there. And then suddenly, you know, all these camels turn up outside. And, uh, you know, we talk about the three wise men, but of course we don't know how many wise men came. And they certainly would have brought all their servants. and They would have brought, uh, you know, their accommodation, their tents on the backs of camels. They'd travel you know, thousands of miles to come to see this king that was born. And they came and they brought, it says they brought uh, treasure, treasure chests, not just one chest, but chests of gifts. They were coming to see a great king. In those days, if you're bringing a gift to a newborn king, you didn't just bring, you know, some little trinkets. You brought gifts that show the value of who that king is. And so they brought a lot of expensive uh, gifts to give to Jesus. And then the wise men left. And that night, the Lord appears again as, as an angel to Joseph and tells him to get up and flee to Egypt. And you see, Joseph again, he said that night, Joseph left for Egypt. He didn't even wait for the morning. And he packed Mary and Joseph and Jesus and they took off to Egypt. And I put a little note there. You know, when God guides, he provides. And you just sort of think the timing of everything. You know, the wise men come, they give these gifts of gold. Well, what, what was that for? Just to hang on the wall to look pretty? No, it was something that was going to provide for Joseph and Mary and Jesus uh, all their time on their journey to Egypt, their accommodation in Egypt for we're not sure how long until King Herod died, and then the journey back home. And then when they got home, I'm sure that there was enough there for Joseph and Mary to set up home, to buy a house, you know, a house large enough to have a workshop, to buy all his tools. He hadn't been doing any building for several years. And so to set himself up again, you know, when God guides, he provides. And, you know, it's something for all of us to really grasp hold of. I remember the first time I ever went on a, on a missions trip. 
And uh, it was going to be quite a long trip. It was going to four different countries. It was going to be uh, five or six weeks. And, but I was new to all this. And anyway, I, I got up in church on the, the Sunday morning and I just said to them, oh, look, we have this opportunity to go and, uh, you know, people want to uh, give towards it. That, that, you know, that'd be great. And uh, anyway, you know, s- straight after the service, one of our businessmen came up to me and he said to me, he said, you know, God told me I'm to pay for your airfares. And I mean, honest, I mean, I was new to all this. I was just totally blown away by what happened. Here as I just said, you know, a little statement, but God moved in somebody's life to pay for the airfares for, for this mission trip. And, you know, in my experience, I've gone on lots of missions trips. I've gone to different countries all over the world and had incredible privilege of doing those things. But, you know, every time God has come through, one, you know, sometimes we've had the money, sometimes we've raised the money, sometimes the church has paid for the money. But I I share that to encourage you because sometimes, you know, we want to do something or we see an opportunity, we love a missions experience, but we sort of think, well, hold on, I haven't got the money, I can't do it. And uh, that's not the case at all. You might not have the money, doesn't mean you can't do it. Because God, if he's calling you and he's guiding you, he'll also take the responsibility to provide for you. You know, when it comes to parenting with uh, Joseph, you see that his relationship with, Joseph's relationship with God was so important. You know, there was consistency in his relationship with God, in his home, he would have, as, as they were taught to do by, by Moses and the law, you know, to bring the Bible into the home in a daily basis, to open the Word of God and to share together uh, as a family. Every week they would have gone as a family to church, to the synagogue, and uh, worshipped together. And at least once a year, and we certainly know in uh, Jesus' case and Joseph's case, every year they went up to Jerusalem for the Passover, And, you know, a a trip for the Passover in those days for someone from one of the towns uh, in Israel, it it, it involved, it was like a holiday celebration, like our Christmas holidays. They would, the whole groups of families would travel together and, you know, they'd take all their camping equipment and and, uh, they'd eat together, they'd fellowship together. You know, kids would be with different families traveling together. And then they would go up there and meet people from all over Israel. And it was just a huge uh, celebration that happened. But that was a regular part of Jesus' life and Joseph and Mary's family. And, you know, having fun times is really, really important. You know, going to conferences as a family, going to uh, family camps and different things when the opportunity arises is really important in building relationships uh, you know, for, for our families. And Mike often men- mentions the JH camp and, and, and what they do there. There's just some fantastic opportunities that are really important to take hold of and, and make such a difference. And we notice Jesus, after he was 12 years of age, and he would have had his bar mitzvah and uh, experience like the journey into uh, manhood, but from there, it says, he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And he grew in wisdom and stature and favor 
with God and men. So, you know, we talked a little bit about Joseph, but I want to say this. You know, was he the perfect father? No, of course he wasn't. None of us are perfect. And, in fact, we're told, you know, that with the other children, I mean, here's some amazing things that you sort of see, that you just can pick glimpses out of. But you can imagine uh, the, the rest of the family, you know, the four boys and however many girls there were, uh, in the family, they would have been told the story of Jesus and the birth uh, time and again. And they would have known there was something different about this brother of theirs. But it's interesting, in Jesus' ministry, you know, his brothers and sisters didn't, didn't believe in him. You know, lots of people did follow, and disciples arose. But the brothers, if you read the story, were sometimes quite critical of what Jesus was doing. But we know that a change happens after the resurrection. You know, once they know that Jesus has been crucified, they've seen the resurrected Christ, their lives were transformed. And of course, James became one of the leaders in the church, and Jude wrote uh, one of the books of the Bible. So we see the outcome uh, was tremendous. But I just want to say this as a word of encouragement for, for dads and mums. You know, that, you know, in spite of what their parents, Joseph and Mary, tried to tell them about Jesus and his miraculous birth. You know, they refused to accept it. And sometimes we can teach our children, we can say all the right things and do all the right things, but you can't give your children faith. You can tell your kids how to live, but you can't make the moral decisions for them. They get to a point where they have to make those decisions for themselves. No one can take that responsibility from them. You can dedicate your children, but you can't make them believe. You can love your children, but you can't give them eternal life. You know, the influence of parents lays a platform for each child to be able to make the decisions for themselves that are going to set the course of their future. And, you know, it's that role and that responsibility and call is the highest calling that we have. But in the end, the results of it all, we have to leave in the hands of God. And I just want to challenge, you know, everyone uh, here today, and maybe I've said something today that's just challenged you about your own faith. You know, whether you are here at church today because maybe your partner, you're just there to be with them, or you, along with mum and dad, and uh, you're just uh, visiting church you know, there's a decision that you have to make for yourself. No matter how good your partner is or how good your parents are, that decision rests solely on you to receive uh, Jesus as your saviour. Should we just take a minute to bow our eyes? And I just want to pray a prayer. And maybe if you are sitting here and you've never made that decision or, you know, you've let things slip and you'd, you'd like to recommit your life to Christ again uh, today. I'm just going to pray a prayer, and if you'd like to do that, just pray after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins and paying the price. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for all that I've done, and I ask you to come into my life right now and make me the person you want me to be in Jesus' name.
Amen. We just keep your eyes closed for a, a moment. And if you prayed that prayer, can I can just raise your hand? I just really like to be able to pray for you later. Thank you.